0: Well, thank you, worship team. They were shorthanded this this week and appreciate them all stepping up the way that they did and helping us out with that. The uh Jacobs are up in New York. Something about a graduation. <laughs> yeah, Corey's graduating. And uh Dan graduated, I heard, yesterday. And that's uh that's a neat thing. So they got to uh See the ceremony via Skype. So he was just, uh, Bruce was just telling me, I thought they uh, had gone up there to see it, but he said, no, we saw it via Skype. And, and that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty neat. You can open up in your Bibles to the book of First Kings. There was a young lady who was sunbathing on the beach when a little boy in swimming trunks came up to her and asked her the question. And he said, Do you believe in God? The, the lady was kind of surprised, but she said, Well, yes, I do. He says, do you go to church every Sunday? And she said, well, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Do you read your Bible and pray every day? And again, she said, well, yes, I do. But her curiosity is very much stirred up at this point, trying to find out why this boy is asking her all these questions. So the little laugh sighed, and he um, said, well, will you hold my money while I go swimming? When we get into desperate situations, it's amazing the things that we will do, huh? Little boy going to let a strange woman hold his money while he goes swimming in the, in the water. First Kings chapter 17. We have looked at this story a, a number of times throughout the years here. But we're going to take a look at this story from a little different perspective this time than we have before. Most of the times we take a look at this story, we have looked at it from the viewpoint of Elijah. But we're going to take a look at this from the viewpoint of the woman. In 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1, and Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these these years except at my word. What's interesting is he doesn't say at God's word, he says at my word. He says to Ahab, he comes out and he says to Ahab, there's going to be no rain until I say so. That's a pretty bold statement. Amen. That's a man who has confidence that what God has told him is going to come about. Amen. That's a man who believes in the things that he's saying. There's a difference between having a belief and one who will order their life around those beliefs. I may believe certain things to be true, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily do it. How many things do you know? We've talked about this before, but how many things do you know that you believe are are probably true but don't necessarily do anything about it? He believed this was true and had no problem standing there and saying this. Now, just looking at the famine here that this is going to create, of course, you don't have water for a number of years. uh, Things don't grow. If things don't grow, people don't eat. So there's a famine that's created and people die in famines. The reason that famine is created is because the people of this area are not following after God. They're not doing things that they should be doing, and they're giving the enemy an opportunity to come in. Not only the children of Israel, but also we're going to see that other nations around were also affected by this. During this time, there are still people who served God, and they were involved in this drought. They were there in the same drought as the unbelievers. They didn't share... They did not share the guilt, but they shared in the drought. You ever feel like you've been in a situation where other people around you have been doing something and <laughs> you're getting brought into it? And that might be the case, but thank God when we are, are not the ones responsible and we turn over to God, God can come on over and help us out. That is an important thing for us to know as we get through here. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, we've gone over this before and told you the story that what happens is ravens are an unclean bird to the Israelites. So they don't eat them. But this unclean bird was bringing food. That uh, part of the worship that was set up in Israel involved the king taking out this big banquet table during a time of famine. And he took this big banquet table out in the back and he put it out there for the gods. But the ravens would always come by and they would take some of the food. That's one of the things that these birds would do. So these, these ravens were actually coming over to the king's table that he had set out for the gods, taking the food over to Elijah. And God was feeding his man by the king who's trying to get him. Isn't that fun? God just has a way of playing around with stuff. <laughs> so the king was actually feeding. Every time he sent that thing out there trying to worship his God, he's feeding the prophet he's trying to find. And so he stayed on out there, and uh, it will be that you will drink from the brook that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows from the, into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So he stayed there for some time until the water dried up. When the water dried up, apparently the other food source was still coming to him, but the water was not there. How many know we need both? We need food, we need water. So God's going to take him on from there. I'm sure he's... Elijah likes being by himself. He's enjoying this. I'm by myself, no one's bothering me. Just out here, eating in the morning, eating in the evening. It's kind of fun. He's probably having a good old time. So when the thing dries up, he's probably disappointed, but Elijah goes with the flow. So God led him to a place with provisions, but over time they dried up. Understand this, God's provision is not in a place, but in his command. So often we get an idea that God's provision is in a place that we're at. Sometimes we can look into the place where we work. Sometimes we look into the place where we live. Sometimes we look at different places where we're at and say, that's where God's provision is, but it is not. God's provision is in the obedience to His Word. Whenever Israel was in the wilderness, the provision came. When God said to move, the provision moved with His command. And they had to follow when the pillar of fire, when the cloud would move, the children of Israel had to move with it because wherever they went is where, is where God was leading them. And wherever God was leading them, he had the manna come down, rain down on, the, on top of them. And uh, that's just quite a bit. If you're up there on Facebook, Rick Renner put up a really interesting uh, post about that. He says, have you ever contemplated how much food God had to rain down over the course of all those years? Forty years, feeding two to four million people. Whew, that is a lot of food and apparently not even a drop in the bucket to God. God didn't even bat an eyelash at it. The enemy often distracts us by, focus, by, the, by getting our focus on the wrong issue. So often, he wants us to focus on where we are. He wants us to focus on a place. He wants us to focus on different things. The purpose of it is he knows what the purpose is. He doesn't care if the thing you are focusing on is a good thing. Does the thing he wants you to focus on, does it take you off of the command of God? Because if he can get you to not focus on the command of God, he can get you. And that's all he wants to do. We see this all the time in today. This week, last week, you all have seen this firsthand in this, in this country tremendously. We had that whole thing going on with Benghazi, and the focus was all on the video. The focus is all on uh, the cover-up. And who was focusing on the thing like, who gave the command to not send in the people? Why was there not protection? Why were there not better things done? We're not focusing on the important issues. No one has even said to this day where the president was during all this time. But he's the one who gives a command to stand down. And two times a command was given to stand down, but no one will say who said it. These are the things that were important, but what are the things that we're focusing on? Well, what about that video? Why did that video come in there? Why is it that this one? We're not focusing on the right things. IRS thing went on. How many have heard some of the things that have come out about this IRS thing? I heard one organization was, was uh, asked by the IRS to pony up who they prayed to and what their prayer requests were. Does that sound right? Who they prayed to and what their prayer requests were. Now, a senator was asking this of the, uh, the, the guy from the IRS who was fired, who was going to leave anyway. But they fired him, so he's leaving like a week early. That's a real thing to fix the situation, isn't it? But anyway, they asked him this, and they said, Do you think it is a legal Do you think it is a lawful thing to ask someone this question who's seeking for a five? And he wouldn't answer the question as being illegal. He he, he says, well, I don't know if it was right, but I don't think it was illegal. I don't know if you should, but I don't think it's illegal. That's what his answer was. He was not appalled at the idea that someone was being asked, what are your prayers like? who, Who is it that you're praying to? A lot of these organizations were so scared by the questions that the IRS put out, that they, they pulled back on their 501c3s. A lot of religious organizations, a lot of uh, pro-life organizations, a lot of what they call tea party organizations. Uh, some of them were close to bankruptcy because uh, of, of the things that were going on with the, with the IRS and, and because they're still messing with them. 25 months they went and did not, did not certify a single 501c3 from these groups. 25 months, not a single one. But when we were asking questions, I was listening to some of the questions that the uh, senators were asking. I only got in there one time. We were talking about this at the breakfast yesterday. One of the uh, Democrat senators was pressing him uh, because apparently he mentioned that he had some notes and then he said, well, I'll have to check my notes. Well, do you have notes? Well, I'm not sure if I have notes. Well, you said you did have notes. Do you have notes? And they're all on this notes. And he's really hitting them hard on whether he had notes or not. We completely missed the issue of what was going on. Why is this stuff allowed to happen? One pro-life organization was told, we will grant you 501c3 status as long as you understand that under the penalty of perjury, you cannot protest Planned Parenthood and a number of other abortion groups. They were told this. This was the letter that they got from the IRS. This was going on for years. At least since 2010, the White House knew about it in 2010. And the president wants to tell us, we didn't find out about this until Friday. There's a whole lot of evidence that's out there, but you see, they get your distraction on, this, on the wrong things so that you're not focused on the right stuff. So you're not calling and asking for questions, not asking for answers on the things that should be answered. This is what the devil wants to do with us. It's the same tactic. He wants to get you to focus on something that doesn't matter. By doing so, you lose focus on what does? So much of our country's attention is on the wrong things, on these things that, are, that these battles have been going on. We need to focus on the right issues, the right things, and not the wrong ones. Stop looking at the place for your provision. Look at who gives the command, and make sure that you stay where he tells you to stay, that you do what he tells you to do. That's where the provision comes from. Elijah knows this. And when he sees that the brook is dried up, he doesn't panic. There's nothing the word of God tells us he panics. He simply waits for orders. And here it comes. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, before he commanded to who? He commanded the ravens. Now he commanded a widow woman. God can command animals and people who will listen to him. He can command them. He can say, hey, do this. And the ravens did it. And he commanded this woman. I have, that's past tense. He's already done it. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So the enemy often distracts us by focusing on the wrong issue. There is a better questions that we, we need to ask, not where all the time. But what is God telling me to do? Sometimes Christians hear that somebody else did something and got blessed by it, and they want to do the same thing. Remember that story in the New Testament? They heard that Barnabas gave some money and was blessed by it, and people were uh, giving him great honor, and they said, we want some of that. And so they decided to do the same thing, not because God said so, but because they wanted what he got. In in Luke chapter 4, Jesus talks about this incident. Then he said, Surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up. Three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So his premise here on bringing this thing up is that a prophet is not accepted in his own country because they know him. Oh, you can't be anything great. I know you. And he's talking about that, that the the people were not going to accept him, Jesus. And they were going to say things like, heal yourself and, and stuff like that. So he uses this example for this. He says, Elijah was not sent to any of the widows that were in the land of Israel. He was sent to this one. Now, if God sends something to someone in particular, what is it? What has it been in the word of God about that person that draws the power of God? Faith. Faith is what gets God's attention. There's a whole lot of people in bad situations, but one woman got his attention in another faraway land, and he knew that this woman would accept his prophet. He knew that the woman around would not because Elijah was known. Oh, you're that rebel. You're that guy the king doesn't like. You're that. they've heard what the king has said about him. Oh, you're that guy. We don't, they're not going to accept it. So he sends Elijah to this woman. Look, I've commanded this woman over here and she is going to feed you. So Elijah gets up and he heads on over. There had to be something about this woman that attracted God too. We're going to get into her in just a little bit. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now, I don't know how he's supposed to recognize the widow. Whether God gave her any identifying uh, characteristics. Because sometimes he's done that. He says, when you come to a place, you're going to see this. Remember the disciples? When you come to the city, you're going to see a man and there's a donkey telling you the master needs him. So sometimes those kind of things are given out, and maybe something like that was done, but anyway, he saw the woman and he called to her and said, "Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. We're in a famine or in a drought that causes a famine. A drought means there's a lack of lack of water. So he says something that should test her faith. Bring me some water." And she goes off to get it. No fuss. Nothing about it. So uh, I think Elijah kind of concludes, well, that didn't test her faith at all. She just went right off to do that. All right, we've got to step this up a little bit. She's okay with that. What, I, what it might be is she uh, has a little more water than she does food. So I can spare the water because I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> whatever it was. She, didn't, uh, she felt like going back and getting some water was okay. Please, pr- please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, Still, though, how many people might come up to her and say, you know, give me some water. We need water. For some reason, she moves on this one. So it's not like this was not a test at all. It just was not enough of a test. There had to be some kind of a test there because we're in a famine time. Water is scarce. Please, please bring me a morsel of... And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Eat it and die. That sounds like she's got kind of not having much of a future here. I put in your outline this, and I've told you this one before. But giving what you don't think you need or won't be around to use is not faith. Giving what you don't think you need or won't be around to use is not faith. When he asked for the water, she's going to go get it. He says, that we haven't tapped into her faith yet. We got to tap into the faith for this thing to work. Elijah knows that. So, All right, bring me some food too. And then the story comes out. When you give what you don't need, when you give what you don't plan to use, you are giving without hope. And faith without hope is dead. Now, how do you know you're giving without hope? Because I can, well, I can, I can spare this. I don't need it. Here you go. There's no hope in that. But when you need it, well, you know, I was looking to have this, but I will give this to you looking For this instead. There's suddenly hope attached to that. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. This woman is not in Israel. But he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. And that's good enough for her. She goes off and she does it. So she had to have some belief in the God of Israel. God said, I've commanded a woman, woman. She had to be listening to God. Somehow she's coming to a knowledge of God and she believed in God. And when God's word came to her, she looked to do it. Now, I want you to put yourself in the woman's, uh, woman's story here. We've got we to really begin to envision what this woman is going through because she doesn't seem to be a big part of the story. So we have to kind of figure out some parts because most of this book is about Elijah. And most of this uh, part of the story is all about Elijah. But she has a role in this. Elijah is not going to get fed until he finds someone who will kick in their faith with what they have. He needs somebody who has something. If they have something, God can take what they have and multiply it. What does Elijah have? I don't, I don't hear that he's got anything. He's got the clothes on his back. He, when he picks up and goes, he just picks up and goes. We don't really hear that he's got a house. Don't ever hear that he's got a family. He's just Elijah. He's okay with that. But Elijah says this to her. Do not fear. Boy, how many times we see Jesus say, saying that to people. Do not fear and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So here's the procedure. Here's the way you do it. I want you to take what you got. I want you to make some of it for me. Prepare it all, cook it all, and then bring it here to me and then go back to that supply that you said was not enough. It was enough for two people. I'm going to ask you to do Make one for one, which would be about half of it. Bring it over here to me and then go back. Now, he's not being selfish. He's trying to get her to act in a place of faith because it's going to benefit her. It's going to benefit him. And then he gives her the word of the God. He doesn't just uh, let her hang out there. Just go ahead and do this. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. She has been commanded by God. She hears this. And she responds. She goes off and she makes it. So put yourself into picture. Picture yourself as this woman. Here's this woman. She's over there in the, this faraway land, not in Israel. They are affected by the famine. They're affected by the drought. She's uh, low on supply of water. There's no food around. She's probably low on money. Probably used whatever money she had to buy whatever food she was able to get. And nothing's growing. She's seeing the supply dwindle. But somewhere along the way, she heard about God. She believed God. I got to imagine that somewhere along the way she said, God, I need you to show yourself for me and I need you to help me and my son. I meant to imagine somehow she had to come out and ask God for something. And God, in her spirit, the same way we hear things, somehow got to her and said, I am going to send someone to you that you will feed. At the time the command came, she probably had more stuff. Don't you think? At the time the command came, she had enough stuff, or at least more than what she has now. And so she's hanging on this because God said, I have commanded a widow woman. Did he? If God said it, he did it. He commanded a widow woman the same way he commanded the ravens. He commanded the widow woman and she, she received that command. So she heard this. And so if you got that command... You had to put something out there before God. You put something out there before God. And the command came, feed this man, and you'll be taken care of. So she's got a supply. If you are her, what are you doing? Aren't you looking for the man of God? Aren't you looking for, who am I supposed to feed? Every day she's probably looking. Who is it that's supposed to come to me? Who is the prophet? Who is the one who's supposed to come to me that I'm supposed to feed? And she'd go out there and go through the course of her day and wouldn't come to anybody. And she'd eat up what food that they needed for the day. She'd go to the next day, eat up what food they needed for the day, and be looking for the guy. He's not, not here, not here, not here, not here. Eventually, whatever supply she had that she thought she would feed him from was gone. And she came out on the last day. She was commended. She had faith. You don't get God's attention without faith. The woman from Tyre, how'd she get his attention? Faith. How did the centurion get the attention of Jesus? Faith. Faith gets his attention. So the faith of this woman got the attention of God. And she is in faith, believing for an answer to come for her food situation. But the food is dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. But she was in faith, but there was no answer. It didn't change. Now, you know, when you get that close to the, to the bottom of the barrel, how many of y'all know you start rationing a little bit? <laughs> we need to make this go a little bit further. So, all right, we, we were eating this much, but we're not going to eat that much now. We're going to eat this much. But, Mom, I'm still hungry. I know, but we, I want to make sure you have enough for that. They're probably rationing it out. They're probably getting down lower and lower. And God's in no hurry to send Elijah. No, we got food coming over there from the king's table. We got water over here. Elijah's fine. The woman is in a bit of a a tough time, isn't she? Her food supply that she can see is dwindling. There's no way to get more. It's dwindling. She finally comes to the last day. How many of you can imagine the desperation of this woman? I have been standing in faith. I received a command from God. I believed that command. I was looking for the prophet to come. No prophet came. She wakes up on the last day. She says, there's no way we can ration this. The only thing we can do, the only thing we can do is make what we have, eat it, and die. I want you to put yourself in, the, in this woman's shoes. You have been believing God for all these weeks, months, however long it has been since God commanded her. You have been, been believing God that He would take care of this. And your supply has been dwindling. Day by day by day by day. It is going down. Less and less. How many know that every time you come up to that supply... And you see it dwindling, and you see it becoming less. How many know that words are coming up on the inside of you? God's not coming through. Who is this God? He's not the God of your land. He's the God of Israel. Why do you think that this God is coming through for you? How many of y'all know she was dealing with that? Could you deal with it? (laughs) You're dealing with it. She's dealing with it. It's the same enemy. He's trying to get her to focus off something, onto something else. Focus on the supply. Focus on increasing the supply. Don't focus on the command of God. Focus on the supply. Focus on maybe you, messed, maybe you heard the wrong word. He's trying to get them to focus on something else. But somehow she maintained her focus, she kept going. She gets out there on the last day. Do you think she's looking for the man of God right now? I don't know, but if I'm the woman, I've kind of just kind of resigned. I guess it's not happening. I'm just going to go out and get some sticks because the man of God is there and he has to call to her. I think if he would come a little bit earlier, she would have, are you the man of God? But she's discouraged. She's down. She's going out there. Her focus is on death. Her focus is on lack. She says, we're going to make what we have. We're going to eat it all and we're going to die. Elijah is sent and arrives on the very last possible day. If he had waited until tomorrow, all the supply would have been gone. There would have been nothing to work with. He waited until the last day. Because now this woman, when she goes and she makes this cake for him, will be doing an act of faith that she would not have been doing before. She would have been making a cake for the prophet out of her supply. Now she makes it out of her lack, her insufficiency. Remember the woman who came to um, Jesus' is back there at the, the temple? They took up offerings differently back then than we do. They didn't pass a plate, bucket, or whatever it was during the service. At the end of the service, you would go in the back, and then you would put it in as you were leaving. And so Jesus did something that most people in this day and age would be appalled at. He parked himself by the offering bucket, and he watched. And he didn't just watch to see who was putting in. He watched to see how much they put in. He's counting. Of course, back then, they didn't have paper money. You could hear it. You could see it. So he's, he's putting it in. He saw that one put in quite a bit of money. Yeah. That one put in a little more money. He's counting. He's counting. Then when the woman comes on through, he says, all right, did you see all that? These guys, they put in all this money, but she, she put in more than all of them. What do you mean? She just put in two mites. Remember the word of God tells us? She had two mites because Jesus was counting how much they put in. <laughs> You imagine Jesus back at the offering bucket, counting what you put in. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. I bet you you some of those guys may have noticed that Jesus was counting and they they upped it. We'll show him, I'll show him how much I can give. (laughs) He'll be impressed with this, but he's impressed with the woman because she gave out of her lack. They gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her insufficiency. This woman needed to get to a place where it would be an act of faith. Abraham was called on to give what? Abraham, God says to him, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. God had to get him in a place where he was ready to do this. God had to prepare him for it. And Abraham was at the spot, I can take, this is everything I have. And he took it up to offer it to God. And God says, no, hold on, you don't have to. I just needed you to be willing. I needed you to be in this place of faith. After that point, he could have more kids, and he did. But he needed him to be in a place where it would be a sacrifice. Because God can work with that. Because God wanted to do something, not just average. He wanted to do something in a above and beyond with Abraham because he saw an opportunity. And the same thing with this woman here. We want to do something above and beyond what you're thinking about. But in order for us to do that, I need you to be in this place because when you give out of this, you are giving out of your lack. Let me take you back to a parable that Jesus told. Many people understand this parable, and you all don't, you are understand this real, real well. But many people understand this parable as applying to today. It does not apply to today. But there's a parable in which Jesus says, gathers them all around as a, the judgment of uh, nations, as it's called. And he says, when I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When, Lord, when, when were you hungry? When were you in prison? Uh, w- we would have certainly done it if we, if we knew you were there. In the, in, when you haven't done it to the least of these, my brethren, you haven't done it to me. And we take that to mean for today. And so we have all kinds of organizations to go out there to get saved, to be saved, to be on the right side. They're out there feeding the poor, clothing the naked, and visiting people in prisons. But there's no place in the Word of God that would tell us that that will get you into heaven outside of that one. So we've misunderstood it. If we go back and take a look at it, he is talking about the end times. He is talking specifically about the tribulation period. And during the tribulation period is the only time in world history in which these three things will be an act of faith, an act of faith in entirety, much like what this woman is doing right here. Because during that time, you cannot buy or sell without what? The mark of the beast. So if you give away the clothes that you have, how are you going to replace them? You can't buy them because you cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And if you go in to try and buy them, you don't have the mark of the beast, you expose yourself. This is one who hasn't taken the mark yet and you can be killed. If you give away the food that you have, how are you going to replace it with more food? You can't buy or sell. Here's the big one. When you go into the prison... When Jesus is talking about going to the prison, he's not talking about going and visiting murderers. He's not talking about going and visiting the people that have robbed banks. You know who he's talking about going and visiting? Believers who have been imprisoned for their faith, for their stand for God. So he's saying when you go into prison to visit the people in prison during the end times during those last days, during the tribulation period, you are walking into the teeth of the beast because these people have been locked up because either they didn't take the mark, they didn't bow to the beast, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they got caught. They were locked up and waiting to die. And you went in to strengthen them. You went in to give them encouragement and you walked into the belly of the beast with the expectation of coming back out. Without the mark. Now, how many have ever been to a prison around here? Anybody ever been into one of the prisons to visit somebody? Dear Lord, all the things you got to do. All the things you got to give them. All the stuff they uh, check you out with. I mean, it's, in, it's intense. They almost make it hard, hard for you to, to get out there and do it. It's quite intense to do. If they're checking you out this much now, what do you think they're going to do then? So you got to say, I am going to be scrutinized. But that's okay. My God is on my side. And just like Daniel, I can walk into a lion's den and come out on the other side. That is an act of faith. These three examples are people who have faith in God. And he says, you guys have faith. That's faith. That's when he gives that that parable. But you all knew that one already. Just review. For thus says the Lord God of Israel: The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now I put this in my notes. I didn't have room to put it in yours. But being in a situation of despair is not the same as being in faith in a desperate situation. Being in a situation of despair—I mean, y'all know—we've been in situations of despair. Being in a situation of despair is not the same as being in faith in a desperate situation. A lot of times people are in places of despair and they think because I look to God, because I cry out to God, because I pray, I am in faith and it's not the same thing. So the woman is completely truthful, tells all that she has, all the plans that she's, that she's got. And he says to her, do not Fear, do not fear. Got a real important note about that and what we'll come to Don't let me forget. If I forget to come back to that verse, you make sure you remind me because it's real important. Now, what is it in the word of God that he has shown that he will use? He'll use what you have, whether it's oil, whether it's fish, whether it's loaves of bread, whatever it is that you have, he will use we want to go back to her words. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Look again at Elijah's words. Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. I want you to take note of this. Everything that she confessed to having was increased. you see that? We are in a drought. Water is not mentioned. What is mentioned is everything that she said she had. Those are the things that were increased. When the widow woman who had the financial need, what did she say that she had? All that I have is a jar of oil. When the disciples went out there to see what they had and they came back and said, all we have is fish and bread. In every one of those situations, what does God increase? What they said they have. You see that? You cannot go to God and say, I don't have anything. I have nothing. God, I have nothing. Yes, you do. You have something. What do you have? Constantly in the Word of God, we see Jesus telling people, what do you have? What do you need? He's getting them to say it. He's getting them to confess it. He's getting them to say, Father God, all I have is and you say what it is, and when you put that in there, the pattern in the Word of God is, it increases. You can increase what you have when you declare what you have. I do have this. I do have this. Boy, we could spend us the whole Sunday just on that part. But I'll let you meditate on that and have some fun with it at home. Know what you have. Declare it to God. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not raised up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. It is important what you speak. It is important what you speak. Amen. Now, this woman has faith in God, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. But her situation hasn't changed. Remember the paralyzed man who was lowered down? Did he have faith? Mm-hmm. Didn't it say he had faith? Mm-hmm. Didn't I talk about other people who had faith, but they were still in their situation? Mm-hmm. Merely having faith does not get it done. You must have faith. Faith in God and act on it. If you don't act on the faith that you have, it doesn't happen. Many people in the Word of God possessed faith. The woman with the issue of blood, did she get her faith when she touched the hem of his garment? No, she was healed then. Her faith was before. Her faith was when she heard about Jesus. She had faith in the words. And she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. That's faith, isn't it? But until she got to the place where she acted on what she believed, nothing happened. We can spend a long time just going through this, but we've we've done it in the past. We have gone through and looked at the people. They had faith, but they were still sick. They had faith, but they were still blind. They had faith, but nothing changed until they got to a place where they could act on it. When God said, do this, and they did it. This woman has faith that God will bring her through a very desperate situation but she has come to the last day. This woman has faith in God, but her situation hasn't changed. She has to have faced the temptation to doubt or to believe that God has forgotten her. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be facing? I'm not saying that she she did it. I'm saying she had to face the temptation. Had to have faced the temptation. Those thoughts had to have come to her. Verse 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. After what things? After all, all the events that happened there. And after the oil was multiplied daily. And after the flour or the, the meal was multiplied daily. After this was going on, after these things, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. If, you're no, if there's no breath in you, you are you're dead. So, so she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Now, this woman has faith, but let me tell you what. She's not counted as having great faith. She's only counted as having faith. So just don't take all the lessons from her. You've got you to learn what faith is and kind of screen out some of this stuff because some of the stuff you don't want to be doing. We're seeing something about this woman here in this. So a bad thing happens and she immediately jumps to the conclusion that it's the prophet's fault. It's God's fault. And you did all this just to mess with me. Right? Remember we talked about this last week? There are three reasons the attacks of the enemy come. Three reasons the attacks of the enemy come. One is because of the word that is in you. He comes to take the Word. He comes to pull that Word out. If you weren't here last week to get that, um, it's either up on the Internet now or will be. But we need to understand the the reason the attack's coming is not because God is bringing it about. But that's what she's thinking. Just like a lot of us, we think this kind of stuff. The enemy where he sees, i put this in your outline, the enemy where he sees the Word of God and the work of God The enemy will come. I messed, I messed, I didn't uh, get the whole sentence in there, but the enemy attacks, put that word in there, where he sees the word of God and the work of God. Where the work of God is, so is this word, right? So if he sees the word of God, if he sees the work of God going on, he comes to attack. It's not God, it's the enemy. So here's what he says Verse 19. He said to her, "Give me your son." So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, "O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son?" Now understand Elijah is not correct in all his doctrine. We're going to find this out in some time, you know, he's got uh, he has got his own issues. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, my God, I pray let this child's soul come back to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. and The soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room in the house, gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. In other words, no problem. This is nothing. <laughs> it's not quite what was going. On. That's not the picture I get when I was up in that upper room there. It's, uh, I, I picture a little bit more of a battle going on. But he comes on down there, that was nothing. What else you got? (laughs) Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. This woman is where most people are today. God can come through for you and do this wonderful miracle and on a daily basis he is providing for you and providing for you and providing for you and you become accustomed to it, you become used to it to the point that it's not even a big deal anymore what it is now by this i know because my son was dead and you raised him up that was a great that was a great miracle oh now i know Mm -hmm. so what happens was after this was going on every day they get up and they make some meal from the oil and the and the the meal they make the little little thing they're, they're, they're doing every day she does that and the thoughts still coming to her are you sure this is the man of god you sure this is the man of god I mean, uh, we're not seeing any abundance in here. I mean, do you, you have just as much of this flour in here as you did last time. You got just as much oil in here as you did last time. Are you sure this is the man of God? You, you don't know. Tomorrow, it may not be. you may hit the bottom of it. And there's doubts that are rising on the inside of her. She's not sure. She's beginning to wonder, is this the man of God? I wonder if it is. See, that's what the enemy does. The enemy comes in to compromise what you know. If he can compromise what you know, he gets some doubts to come in. He can come in and attack. The reason this son died is not because Elijah is there. It's because this woman doubted. She opened the door up for these things to happen. Go back in the book of Job and you can see the same principle going on with Job. But we don't have time to go back in the book of Job and go over all that. You can go back there and read it yourself. Check it out. Now by this I know the dearly miracle of supply, not enough. We can get so used to what God does on a regular basis to us, we don't even count it as God anymore. Sometimes we get to a place where God continues to speak to us, tell us things about his word, give us light about our way, and we can hit us trouble tomorrow, and we think, is God really real? Is God really here helping us? And yet we'll pick on the children of Israel because they got manna, they got the Red Sea crossing, they got water from rocks, and then they get to a hard place and they say, is God really here? Has God brought us out here to kill us? We should go back to Egypt where it was better. Mm-hmm. We're doing the same thing because we're hitting that struggle. We're hitting that, that trouble. And all of a sudden we just would throw it all in there. Oh, just forget it. God isn't coming through for me. I haven't hit that part yet. Don't let me forget. I want you to see this part. We've we, we got to go back on that verse. What verse was it? Anybody know? 15, 13. 13. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> this is a common cry of people. Do this and I will know. Wait, how many times have we come before God? How many times have we come before God? God, if you come through me, for me on this, I know. Mm-hmm. Until the next one comes. What God wants you to do is to develop patience. He wants you to, to develop endurance. Where in the midst of that, you get to the very last day, the meal's going to run out, the oil's going to run out, you get to that last day and you say, glory to God. <laughs> Here we go. The Word of God does not command us to be doubt-free, but to not doubt in our heart. The Word of God does not command us to be doubt-free, but to not doubt in our heart. That's what He commands us to do. Now, some of these things I'm throwing out here today, when I was praying this morning, are stuff that God told me directly about this story. I don't flag each one of them, if they flag out there to you, but there's at least four of them in here that I've thrown out there to you where I was praying this morning about this story and God spoke these things to me, gave this to me. Here, I'm going to flag this one. This is one of the ones. It would seem that doubts... We're going back to verse 13. Pull 13 back up on there. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. First thing he says, Do not fear. It would seem that doubts that are in our head don't produce the fear that doubts in our heart do. Let me say that for you again, because I'll tell you, I, I heard that and said, wow, that's good. It would seem that doubts that are in our head don't produce the fear that doubts in our heart do. There are doubts that reside in your head about things, but they don't produce the fear of destruction, the fear of death, the fear of impending doom that doubts in your heart produce. You want to know, if I am doubting in my head? Am I doubting in my heart? Mm-hmm. Check out your fear. Check out your fear. Are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not, no, I'm not afraid at all. But I'm just, I don't know. Am I doubting? If you're not afraid... You're not doubting. What were the words? Go on back if you, I'll give you some homework. Go on back and read over Peter in the boat with that in mind. With that part of it in mind, go back and read over Peter in the boat in the water. Check it out. When you have learned to depend on yourself, letting go of what you have is difficult. When you have learned to depend on yourself, letting go of what you have is difficult. That's part one. Ready for part two? When you have learned to depend on God, that trust becomes what you won't let go of. Let me say that. I want you to get get this one. When you have learned to depend on yourself, letting go of what you have is difficult money, things, stuff, whatever it is that God's asking you to give up. When you have learned to depend on God, that trust, that trust in God, that trust in Him becomes what you won't let go of. If your trust in God is something that comes and goes, you have learned to depend on yourself. Does that make sense to you? It may take you a little while to think on that and mull over it for a little bit. But the, 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 the rich man had all the stuff. Mm-hmm. He loved God, but he didn't have that trust for God. And when God said, sell all you have, or give, give up all you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and come follow me, he went away sad. He went away sad. Because Though he knew God, though he loved God, he depended on himself. If we learn to depend on ourselves, letting go of whatever it is that we have is difficult. When you learn to depend on God, you can let go of the stuff like that. If God says, give this up, no problem. No problem. What, do you want me to, what, what else you want me to give up? Why? Because the thing you won't let go of is your trust in him. When you hang on to whatever it is that God has told you to give up, you are saying, I trust in me more than I trust in you. That's what you got to get over. That's the thing that's holding you back. Your trust level is what's holding you down. You need to increase that trust level. You need to get to where you trust him more. Because you can go down with a ship trusting in yourself. You got to learn to trust in God. And that boat was in trouble. And the disciples, uh-huh. they trusted in their ability to negotiate the storm, to bail out the water. They didn't trust in him. And they would have gone down with the ship. Faith focuses on this. Three things. Faith. If you want to know, am I in faith or am I in works? Here's what faith focuses on. I have given you this before, but it has been a number of years. I wanted to give it to you again. Faith focuses on what I am to do, where I am to go, and what I am called for. Got an extra two in there. What I am called for. What what is your call? Why are you here? What I am to do, where I am to go, and what I am called to or called for. Works focuses on what I have done. Here's a change. Faith focuses on what I am to do. Works focuses on what I have done. Works focuses on what I have been through. Faith focuses on where I am to go. Works, what I have been through. Listen to your prayers. God, you don't know how hard it's been. God, you don't, I've been faithful. Look at what I've done. Look at where I've been. People have done this and I haven't let go. That's works. That's not faith. Yes. Faith is, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? That's right. I'm going to keep doing my call. What am I called to? Yeah. I'm going to keep doing my call. <laughs> I'm going to keep on going. Yeah, they come and they oppress me. But this is what I'm called to. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep doing it. If they kill me, they kill me. <laughs> but I'm going to keep going. Works, focuses on what I have done, what I have been through, and what I have sacrificed. How many times have we said this in our prayers? God, you don't know what I gave up to serve you. You don't know how hard it is to be a Christian at where I work. Right? We're letting God know. God, I've sacrificed. I have given up stuff. I have not done some things that other people wanted to do. I've stayed out of those areas. And it's been hard, God. I've been struggling, but I did it because we're on works mentality. Why is your prayers not getting the attention to God? Because you're on works. Works focuses on what I have sacrificed. Faith focuses on my call, what I am called to. Here's another way to put it. Faith direction is, no, this is not in your outline, I ran out of room. It's a problem with pieces of paper, I run out of room. Faith direction is from where I am and future. That's faith direction. Faith is looking at where I am and where I am going. That is always, always, always the direction of faith. Faith never has any other direction than here I am and there I go. That's faith. Works is from the past to where I am. Works is looking, well, look at what I've been through. Look at what I've sacrificed. Look at what I've given up. Look at how hard. <laughs> That's what if you want to know. Am I in faith or how it works? Look at your direction. Where are you pointed? When you go into prayer, are you looking? Are you going over with God, all the stuff you did? All the stuff he should have done? <laughs> or you're saying, God, where are we going? What do you want me to do? I'm ready. Let's go. Where is it? Faith looks ahead, works looks behind. Faith looks ahead. Works looks behind. It is the goal of the enemy to get you out of faith and into works because he knows that in the area of works you will not succeed. So he wants to get you out of the arena of faith and into the arena of works because he knows if I get you here, you're dead. It is the goal of a shark to get the inhabitants of the raft into the water because that's where the shark is. It is the goal of the people on the raft to stay out of the water. Isn't that right? If you're in the water in the raft, you got a shark swimming around, what's your goal? Stay out of the water. Because the shark doesn't function well in your atmosphere. And you don't function quite as well in his. So the goal is, for the shark, (laughs) I want to get you in the water. What's your goal? Stay out of the water. It is the goal of the enemy to get you into works. It is your goal to to stay in faith. You stay in faith, he can't touch you. you. He gets you into works, he can beat you up. Spit you out. Do all sorts of stuff. The enemy goes about seeking whom he may devour. Who may devour. Contrary to the movie of Jaws, <laughs> sharks do not come into the dry ground and eat people. They get people when they're in a wall. How many saw that first movie, Jaws? Or was this the first one? Yeah, I think that's the first one where they, he came up into the boat and got the guy. That's ridiculous. The sharks don't do that. Sharks will drown if they are not in, in water and in moving. When a shark sleeps, a shark swims. Because if they don't, they drown. If you want to kill a shark, stop him. That's all you gotta do. You know how a dolphin kills a shark? Dolphins are, are a shark's enemy. One of their worst enemies out there in the, in the uh, ocean is a dolphin. And a dolphin knows how to kill a shark. All you gotta do, with the, all the dolphin will do because a dolphin, I'll tell you, have you ever seen them swim? Suckers can swim. They are good swimmers. They are better swimmers than sharks. They can, they can do circles around sharks. It would be like an F-16 in a dogfight with a P-51. Sharks are slower. I mean, they have some speed, but not the speed of a dolphin. And a dolphin can loop around, and all that a dolphin wants to do is take that hard nose of its And drive it with every bit of force into the side of that shark. A shark does not have bones. It has cartilage. And it snaps the cartilage. When you snap the cartilage, the shark cannot swim. When the shark cannot swim, the shark dies. And a dolphin can kill a shark. I have not seen it done. I've just had it told me how uh, how they do it. You are stronger than the enemy. But stay out of his territory. Don't get into the works area. Don't get pulled into there. Recognize the signs. We will give you a whole lot of signs here today. These are nothing new for you, really. A lot of signs. How to tell if you are in fear and doubt. How to tell if you are in works. How to tell if you are in faith. There's a whole lot of signs. If you have been in faith and fell out of it, that doesn't mean God's just going to come through for your desperate situation because you're in a desperate situation. You need To be in faith. What Jesus told us in Luke was there's a whole mess of people in desperate situations but my man and the provision that came with him was sent to this one. Because no one else in the country would have accepted him. And no one else outside the country was in faith. Be in that place. Don't take for granted what God is doing. That's why you should still be writing that. We talked about it before but you ought to still be doing it. Write down what God has done so you can go back and look it over. How many wrote down your prayers report this week? I didn't tell you at the beginning of the service. I was hoping that eventually you're going to catch on to this and, and do it. I mean, Anybody been writing down some stuff? Well, I want to collect them. If you didn't, you better be writing fast. You can pretend like you had it all along. What is God doing? You should write them down in a book and you should go back over what God has done because as God has come through for you in the past, He will come through for you again. But you got to stay In faith, don't get pulled into the enemy's territory. Don't get pulled into his arena. Stay in yours. Stay in yours. Your arena is faith. In faith, you win. In doubt, in works, those other areas, you lose. The devil knows this. So he's always trying to distract you off of what is important. Focus on the other stuff. And that's why I brought up those things before about what we're going through just in this last week or two. Because you're seeing it going firsthand. We're not focused on what's important. We're focused on the trivial. I mentioned this to the Wednesday night people. But on, uh, I think it was uh, Wednesday morning, because it was Wednesday night service. So it was Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning service. Three morning shows. CBS, ABC, and NBC. I'm sure none of you tuned in to watch any of them. But if you would have three morning shows, an hour each, at an hour TV, you have about 40, 35 minutes to 40 minutes of actual broadcasting that they do. Out of the actual broadcasting that they did, the 35, 40 minutes of their hour show, three networks spent 27 minutes combined on an actress's surgery to prevent cancer. 27 minutes combined. All three networks. All three networks combined on that morning spent 58 seconds on the Gosnell trial. 58 seconds on a trial for someone who was killing babies compared to 27 minutes on an actress's elective surgery. What are we focusing on? We focus on what doesn't matter and we lose sight. Of what does don't let the enemy do this to you focus on what matters stay in faith when people were in faith and bad news came what is it always coming out of Jesus mouth do not fear, do not fear only believe <laughs> fear is the opposite of belief it's the opposite of faith you want to give God something to work with what do you have? Confess it. Father God, this is what I have. This is what I'm doing. You, whatever it is that you've got, there has got to be something that you can give God to work with. Don't just sit there and say, well, God, do something with it. No. What are you giving him to work with? What are you doing? You've got to be doing something. Would you all stand up with me? As you're standing, raise your hand up or pass your uh, praise reports in. We're going to read them here. I like reading these. I look forward to them. Hope you guys are, are making comments or making notes write these things down. How many got them? Raise your hand up. I know God was working this week. He told me. Anybody got one at all? Oh, you got? Okay. Oh, right, that's get get some get some paper back there. Hand it out to these people. Hand them out. I got one right here. I brought one up for me. No, I didn't write one. I just brought up a piece of paper. Write it down. Let's hear what God is doing. Anybody else need one? It's important that we share these. That's why we're writing them down now and just reading them off, because this way we're going to find out stuff that God is doing that most people would consider too small to bring up themselves. So we're just having you write it down. We're going to bring them on up and read them off, and that way we get to hear what God is doing. Because we can go through Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we don't hear anything God is doing. And that's not good. We want to hear that God is at work, that God is doing things, that God is helping each and every one of us on the things that uh, are going on. So be writing, getting those things going. I put some things up on Facebook here this morning about this. So I'll have some more things. Some of these things that I put up on here, I am going to go back out and type out and put on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you'll see it. If you're not on Facebook, go to the church webpage, go to the Facebook link, and you don't have to have, even have a Facebook membership. It'll come right up on, that, on the webpage. You can do that as well. But these were real important things. They're, uh, I wrote them down for me. I wanted to get them for me. I hope to get them for you as well. As you're writing, I'm going to be praying. You can write while I'm praying. You can write down what God is doing while I'm talking to God. He's okay. He can do all those things. We're all right with that. Father God, we thank you for the help that you give us to stay in the arena of faith, to not fall into the arena of doubt, to not get to the place like this woman was where your daily miracle provision was not enough and caused us to have doubts. Father, we want to take a look at those things you're doing for us on a daily basis and be encouraged by our faith to say, what can I put in God's hands that he can bless? What can I give him to work with? Not sitting back on the sidelines, waiting for God to do something, but to actively be involved and to say, what do I have that God can increase? What is it that I have that I can put into his hands that he can do something with? my God wants to work on my behalf. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us on that. We thank you for the work that you have done in our lives this week and will continue to do in the week to come. Father, we are encouraged to know God is working, God is helping, and God is enlightening us. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your part written down, hand it over to one of the ushers. They're going to be bringing it up. If you uh, haven't picked up one of these or lost one and uh, you're, we don't want you to lose your uh, chapter for the day, we're going to change this around just a little bit. When the ones to come, we're going to uh, try and keep it just to a, a single chapter. Uh, sometimes we'll have two chapters in there, but instead of going with a, a chapter and a verse to a chapter and a verse, we're going to have like chapter three to, and chapter four. And ch- so it's just easier to remember and we can probably put it in the bulletin a little bit easier too for uh, another, another daily Jog that's in there, but keep reading your chapter. If you fall behind, you sit down and you read five or six chapters at one time, you're caught up for a whole week. So it's not hard to do. So stay in the place of reading his word. Amen. Get in that habit of reading his word. Sit down with your phone. I sit down with my phone and I read the read the, these parts and then I open that app in, the, in my phone and it's right where I left off. And I just keep on reading. I just keep on going that way. So I do it on my phone. You can do it in your Bible. You can do it on your iPad. You can do it on your computer. It don't matter where you read the Word. It just matters that you read it. (laughs) So you be out there and read the the Word. And we got our praise reports. I I sure appreciate you guys writing these things out.
1: Want me to hold that? No, we got it. And she said that... um, No, you know what? Maybe you better. She said... um, God showed me how the decisions would be made at work, and it allowed me to know exactly which of my people would be moved and gave me time to prepare what I would need to say, to come and help them, um, help them through uh, the situation. So that's important, you know, to be able to tell people things are changing in your lives. You get Mm -hmm. to know what's happening there. Okay, and Chelsea said, God gave me joy and strength when I did not feel like being joyful or strong. (laughs) You know what? Praise God for the resurrection life inside of us. We Mm -hmm. can always draw on that. Amen. Mm -hmm. Daryl said, my sister sister received a clean bill of health, hallelujah, after a procedure was done to check her out for cancer. Glory to God. Nicole said, I got a cold last week, and it is getting better. I prayed over it and have not taken any medicine, but I'm recovering fast. Praise Amen. the All Lord. Right. Amen. Amen. This is from Barbara Hecht. said, every time I bring home items too heavy for me to lift, God sends someone along who asks if I, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. Um, uh, Susan says, my book is now available in print. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Thank you. And my neighbor gave their hearts to the Lord, praying for them for years. Praise Amen. God! More people in the kingdom. Here we go. Keep them coming. <laughs> Mercy said, "I received he- healing." Is that what it said? Amen. Okay. I fell on Wednesday, and my knee got swollen and painful. Um, perfect healing on Thursday after prayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jolly Junior says, "I have been, I have been raised in my class level in math and in, in the infinite group. What is that?" Very good.
0: There you go.
1: Very good. All right. And this one is kind of a, this was mine, this is a kind of a a continuation of the praise report that I gave last week. Remember, we had um, made a bunk bed for uh, a young service family, and that gentleman had offered to pay their bed for them. Well, this woman was so excited about it and so thankful, she asked Pastor if she could write this man an email just to thank him. So in the email, she. told about their family, what they've been through, the the um, movings here and there. We didn't even know a lot of this when, when we um, when we were talking with them. But the young girl has some physical problems and the young boy has physical problems. He has um, a type of autism where he doesn't sleep through the night. And he's seven years old and in seven years has not slept through the night. And she then emailed Pastor and said, "I just want you to know that since he's gotten your bed, he slept through the night. <laughs> so he hasn't gone in bed with them. He slept right through the night. So I praise God for that." Amen. Amen.
0: <laughs> Need stuff. All right, keep those uh, praise reports coming. We love to hear what's what's going on. Look forward to hearing them each each uh, each week. Write them down. Uh, as you're going through the week itself, write some down. Put them in there. You want to write them down for yourself, so that you can go back and see them. Nothing is too small. Amen. Amen. But if God comes through, don't count anything that He's done as small. See it and appreciate it, and be thankful for it. And then use that as stuff to to build yourself up. Do not fear. Don't fall into doubt. Have a great week. We have a.